part two of The Fantastic World. I'm Greg Airbar, author of Hanna-Barbera, The Recorded History. We're back with our guest, Bambi Moe, who's the author of Part of the Magic, a collection of Disney-inspired brushes with greatness. We rejoin Bambi as she talks about colleague Ted Crisco. We worked together for a period of time. I moved into a different division, but we worked together. Well, I believe it was Ted or maybe Randy Thornton who produced in the 90s the read-along. Believe it or not, there was a Hanna-Barbera read-along on Buena Vista Records. I believe it. Well, they had licensed the Star Trek series, Peanuts, Garfield you had worked on. Just you named the major, major characters that was the era of great licensing. So by the 90s, that was what they were doing. But they actually did a read-along of The Grinch with Jim Carrey and The Flintstones' Viva Rock Vegas. This is the story of The Flintstones and Viva Rock Vegas. It's all about how Fred and Barney met Wilma and Betty. You can read along on your slab. Just be sure to turn the rocks when you hear Fred's twinkle toes sound like this. And those were Disneyland Vista records. Well, that makes sense. I mean, again, it almost surprises me that it didn't happen sooner. With the body of creative content coming out of Hanna-Barbera, it's really surprising that it just didn't happen earlier. But for the reasons you described, which is Hanna-Barbera was maybe ahead of its time, had their own uh, labels, and they were not, unfortunately, uh, able to penetrate the market quite the way that the Disney brand was. In the case of their own label, absolutely. They were ahead of their time, and yet they were in a strange position, but the label was still so fascinating, and they made some wonderful things. But yeah, it was very hard for basically a small independent to just suddenly have their own label. And at the time, the labels were getting bigger. They eventually were working with Liberty Records for a little while. Yeah, yeah. From the very beginning of the Jim Magon, Bambi Moe, Ted Crisco era of Disney read-alongs, there was a similarity to what Hanna-Barbera, to me, because I love the records and I memorized them and I love the shows. One of the things they would do is there would be a, a series of background music cues that you would hear on the shows and enjoy recognizing. And those ended up on the vinyl records, which was even more thrilling because you didn't have video in those days. So what Disney read-alongs and Buena Vista read-alongs did is sometimes it was soundtrack music, but usually it was the whimsical music or the serious music. And you got to know it and you welcomed the music. And there are a lot of people I've communicated with on social media who love that background music too. Well, you know, your audience is probably aware of it, but there's something that was very important to the creation of those read-along book and story records was the splits between the music, the dialogue, and the sound effects. Mm -hmm. Like we would layer them. They were layered. Uh, I remember working and giving credit where it's due. I worked with a terrific engineer named George Chirujas. George Chirujas, yeah. George worked on so many of them. I mean, he could do them. He could do them on his own in many ways. But I would say you become so familiar with the library of music, of the effects, and you're recording new dialogue with the voice actors and you're putting it all together. It's kind of like making this delicious dish. Mm -hmm. (laughs) 
we had a lot of fun. I mean, I give credit again to Jim for basically teaching me how to make read-along book and records. We'd get the separate tracks and we'd have to cut the dialogue together first. And gosh knows, I went in and had did a lot of dumpster diving for S's along the way. And I would actually be cutting tape <laughs> with a razor blade and a cutting block. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you I know? remember. That was how we did it, physically how we did it. Can you explain the splits? What is that? Yeah, once you cut your dialogue all together that you've recorded, so you have basically the flow of the story as far as all the dialogue itself, well, then you would go in and you would layer in your musical sound effects and then your your music itself. Most of the music came from a music library from different sources. So I, I don't really remember the specific ones, but some would be sourced from the original production and some would be sourced out of the music library that was growing as we were doing so many of these. And that's why you would actually hear things that were familiar to you. Yes. You know, and also, if I recall now, I can't be 100% sure on this, but I'm pretty sure there were even times where Jim went in and recorded some of the library music. The, the two names that spring to mind are Gary Powell and Jim Andron, I believe, may have been composers of some of that. But I think there are many more. Well, I worked with Jim Andron um, at one point. Oh, Rainbow Bright, I'm pretty sure. What a great one. album. You know, I yeah. you think, oh, Rainbow Bright, and it is very sweet and all, but it is a spectacular production. It was fun. Jim did a Rainbow Bright album, and I did a Rainbow Bright album. Oh, you did the so, Christmas yeah. one. With I the did the Christmas one. Yes. Yeah, yes. yeah great Jim. song. what I mean when I talk about the splits. It was the split between the music effects and dialogue. Interestingly enough, the knowledge that I had from that era of working on Disneyland Vista Records helped me later in developing the Disney sing-along songs. Mentioning the title songs, you had some great, great songwriters also working on the series. Because let's talk about the series too, because Disney never used to have weekly series, Saturday morning, until the day that the Wuzzles and Gummy Bears first appeared in 84. Again, some of the folks that were involved at the record company, specifically Michael and Patty Silvisher, mm -hmm. they wrote on the early Disney song albums. They wrote songs for that, like Pig Out on Mouser Size. Mm -hmm. Michael and Patty came in. And so Early on, they were involved in writing theme song music when I was just starting with television animation. Gummy bears bouncing here and there and everywhere. I mentioned that's beyond compare. They are the gummy bears. And I also want to point out, they wrote a happy birthday song that was used for Donald Duck's birthday, so it was heard in the Disney theme parks for months and months and months. It's very, very catchy. It's on the Splash Dance album. You want me to sing it for you? Happy we can sing it together. Happy birthday. Happy birthday to you. Yeah, yeah. It's a, they would sing it for happy birthday in the restaurants, too, sometimes. 
People sing that song today to their credit. It's an extraordinary uh, uh, achievement. Part of the issue was that the original Happy Birthday song was not in the public domain as many people assumed. You had to pay for it if you used it. That's right. And and I don't want to say anything about anybody deciding that they didn't want to pay for it. And so they wanted to create their own. You but I think only. that was... Disney wasn't the only. Sometimes it wasn't used or it was done a different way a lot. It was Mildred and Patty Hill, because I think they were on right. to tell the Right, the Hill truth. sisters. Yeah, yes. and they claimed that they had written it. So for many years, it was not allowed unless you paid for it. But that was overturned. So I believe you can use it now anytime you want. I think now, but back in the day, when we're talking about when Michael and Patty wrote the happy birthday song for Donald, you worked with some phenomenal voice talents that worked for Hanna-Barbera as well, like Hal Smith and Will Ryan and yes. so many of Will, them. Will Ryan, he is so missed. Yeah. What a lovely man. He passed away not that long ago. And Will Ryan was so special to me personally because he was part of a duo, a singing group called Willio and Filio with Phil Barron. And they were artists that were on the Disney label, Disneyland Vista Records label. And my first week on the job, again, I started as a copyright assistant in music publishing. I was asked to go to a club in Studio City called the Blah Blah Cafe. It's not there anymore, but it used to be the place where singers, songwriters would go and perform. Many, many, many famous people performed at the Blah Blah Cafe. And the first week on the job, which was in February of 1981, Willio and Philia were performing that night at the Blah Blah, and I went. And that was my first time meeting Will Ryan. He was very beloved. I'm going crackers, and you can come along. I'm going crackers. Sing this little song, oh yeah, sing this little song. I seem to remember, I remember working with Linda Gary. Oh yeah, she worked for all the studios, she was fantastic. She, I just remember that she was like a staple, she was a star of that era. Once upon a time, there were three little pigs who went out into the big world to build their homes and seek their fortunes. Tony Pope, another person we lost too soon because he was a great voice actor. Come on, Wendy. I'm going to take you with me to Neverland. You'll never have to grow up there. And people who went on to be major voice actors like Corey Burt. Oh, Corey. I love Corey. Corey was just so much fun to work with because he made the work feel like play. He's brilliant and very, very humble about it. He yes. can so many voices and he's still on the tram as we speak on the Disneyland tram. It's like, hey. Hello, everyone. Welcome aboard the Mickey and Friends tram. Please lower your head and watch your step while boarding. I don't feel like my day is complete if I don't hear Corey on my Disneyland <laughs> visits. <laughs> the other thing that is significant about these people is that Jim Magon recruited many of them as students in Dawes Butler's voice acting class, which is another major influence of Hanna-Barbera. A lot of these people came from there and went on to have fabulous careers. And the read-alongs, I think it was the Little Goldens, were among their first jobs. Wow. Wow. Yeah. 
Corey Burton worked for almost every major studio at that time, 80s and 90s, and continues to. He did work for Hanna-Barbera on some of the films. Scooby-Doo, Frank and Creepy was one of them. The Tom and Jerry Show. Oh, right. Our friend Daryl Van Sitters produced. And so he did do stuff there, too. So it is kind of like you said, the invisible threads, it all fits together quite beautifully, really. Yep. I couldn't agree more. I feel like it wasn't until I went back and I looked at all these shows that were part of my childhood viewing that I was, you know, as serious about seeing them all that I realized how much that it did influence me. Those invisible threads are there. Since we're going to come to the end now, people, if you don't want to hear us shamelessly plug, there are lovely podcasts elsewhere, but for the next few minutes. I will be happy to shamelessly plug your book because Mousetracks is such a special book. It is so well written and it really is a thoroughly researched reading experience with, you know, I think histories are so important to protect and maintain. And I honestly think that we're in such great hands with you, with Hanna-Barbera, that I really can't wait for your book to come out. I know it's going to be not only entertaining and entertaining read, but more importantly, it will protect and preserve this legacy that I think has been forgotten in many ways. And it shouldn't be because it's just so incredible. So I'm very excited about your book. Thank you very much. God bless you. That was a strange thing about doing the research for this. It was going to be like Mousetracks and that it was going to be about a division of Hanna-Barbera as far as their music and records and things like that. But it grew beyond because Mousetracks was about a division of Disney that hadn't been discussed very much. But Disney has been, and a lot of people can easily access or already know a lot of Disney history. Well, with Hanna-Barbera, that didn't really happen. There were two biographies, and there were some fantastic coffee table books with very good text. And I drew from that, but there was no consolidated when they met to right now history. And so it ended up being a much more comprehensive book that had to tell the story of the studio so you would get the context of what these other things were. So it's more than just a book about records. It's a book about a really significant entertainment influence. It really needs to be recognized more. Yeah, the specificity of Mousetracks was to talk about and be thorough in Mm -hmm. the discussion regarding the label, the record labels. And particularly... Both books are about people, and Mousetracks is so gratifying because of people like you whose careers are recognized, people like Tutti Camerata, you know, in the earlier era. Those were people who deserve to be celebrated and recognized for the same kind of thing, their influence at that particular time and beyond, before and after. So if there's something that I feel like I'm contributing, it's the acknowledgement. Wonderful people who did nice things for us. Well, and Greg, you did a nice thing for me because... As it turns out, our publisher, and I I can actually say our publisher, the University Press of Mississippi, that's who published Mousetracks initially. And it's through that relationship that when I decided to put together what has become part of the magic, a collection of Disney-inspired brushes with greatness, it made a whole lot of sense to bring it to University Press of Mississippi and Craig Gill because... He understood it. They understood what we were trying to do. 
which is in my case, a lot of people have said, oh, well, it's a memoir. No, it's not a memoir because a memoir is something that is very, very complete and whole and presents a complete and whole picture. What I was trying to do was connect the dots, those invisible threads that ties this woman, Bambi, and having the name Bambi to the Disney company and follow those threads throughout my lifetime, which of course focuses a great deal on my career at the company. I was very fortunate. It's not a memoir. It's a collection of these anecdotal stories and they would be lost if they were not written down. And that's the thing that I think that is uh, at the heart and core of your writing and your books, as well as mine. We don't want good stories to be lost and forgotten. And so I really feel like my book is to protect and preserve that from happening. And to the extent that there is a period of time, clearly, that I was there at the Disney company working, that is not a period that's talked a lot about. Being able to shed light and acknowledge the people who work behind the scenes, who normally maybe during their career didn't get that recognition or that acknowledgement. People want to know today as they're Mm -hmm. discovering Hanna-Barbera shows or they're discovering Disney shows, well, who did that originally? Well, how did that happen? How did point A get to point B, then on to C and D? That was my hope to do that and also inspire. I think we both want to, you know, I feel like I want to inspire people out there, especially young women, that if you want to pursue a career in this field, it can be done. And it's not that there's a straight line. There's a no. lot of hills and valleys. And you know that in your career as well. There's no, there's one, no path. one path. So part of the magic was kind of my way of making that contribution. And, and I'm uh, very happy to say that UPM is, has supported it, published it. And, and the response has been really, really nice. There's been a lot of enthusiasm. We, we, did, uh, we did an interview at an event recently the oohs and the ahs, as, and without giving the whole book away, just anecdotes from the book, the ooing and eyeing from the audience was, they were thrilled, and the box is emptied. I mean, <laughs> we sold out. <laughs> That's right. That was a nice feeling. That was also the first time for me. I'd, I'd never had that experience before, so I didn't know what to expect, but it was really wonderful. It's really a terrific thing when you can find your tribe in a way, you know, it's kind of what I call finding the tribe. I don't know if I shared this with you. And this is an aside. What happened for me that was so funny was that somebody came up to me who attended. It was a Disney specific event, Disney Anna event. Mm -hmm. And somebody came up to me and said, we are a little nervous. Authors don't necessarily do well with our group. And I said, oh, really? Yeah, well, you know, we enjoy it and we enjoy hearing. But after hearing you with Greg, I felt I had to come and buy that. I didn't have any choice. In the wow. Matter. That's really, no, I didn't know that. That was so lovely. This has been such a joyful experience. And at the end of the day, bottom lining it, I am so thankful and grateful for all of it to have something that I can feel is representative of a time that was very special out there is pretty thrilling. And well, I thank you for it because it wouldn't have happened, frankly, without your support and your help. And that's what a lot of always support and encourage your friends, the people in your life that you meet, because they will become lifelong friends for you, as you have with me. Now, one of my favorite quotes comes from Katie Lee, who's a wonderful actor and has not only a podcast, but actually a series of Patreon shows. And she said, make friends and be a friend. And Mm -hmm. that's one of the ways you succeed. Do the best you can to do that. And 
that's kind of what your book is about and the interweaving of people. And it's all about, let's just add a little bit more positivity and upbeat stuff. Can always use that. That's what we try to do here too, is talk about the fun and joy and the, the overall just coolness of this stuff. Yeah. I'm still overawed by your dad working on the mousetrap game because we <laughs> love that game. <laughs> We played it when we were kids. My kids grew up on it. We never stopped playing with that original. It was, yep. we had the scotch tape pieces together. Yep. Love that game. You know, when you do something that's genuinely wonderful, it's a gift that keeps on giving. My dad turned 93. So I'm going to tell him that that was a, yeah. that folks still remember the game and that'll really bring him a lot of joy. So thank you. <laughs> well, <laughs> I appreciate all the joy you bring to people and all the cool and wonderful stuff that you've done. And I, I learned things I didn't know. And <laughs> I'm just so happy that you were able to join us. I know it's kind of nauseating, folks, if you're like, oh, the Mutual Admiration Society. But, you know, we are friends, and we, what friends do sometimes is you call and say, I'm real down. I need, <laughs> I need. <laughs> and so that's what you do for each other. And well, hopefully we pass some of that along to you, as well as a lot of cool backstage stuff. So thank you so much for being here, Bambi. Thank you, Greg. I really, really enjoyed it. Love and talking to you. And thank you for listening, everybody. If you liked what you heard, then there's these like things you can click. You can subscribe. You can tell friends. You can write reviews. We have a webpage, Fantastic World of Hanna-Barbera podcast page, if you have questions or want to comment. Can I add one more thing? Please. If anybody wants to um, check me out on social media, they're not going to find it under my name. It's part of the magic book yes. on Instagram. And there's some really fun little video snippets, Robin Williams, just some really terrific little videos that supplement the book. So I just wanted to point out that people can go and check out part of the magic book on Instagram and anybody wants to reach out to me, that's how they can do it. Please, yeah, please do that. Check out the books available from University Press of Mississippi or on Amazon and at Barnes & Noble. Maybe go to Barnes & Noble, leaf through it, and I don't think you'll be able to resist buying it. And most of all, we just want to thank you for listening and hope you'll stream our next episode. But for now, bye-bye. We hope you enjoyed the fantastic world of Hannah and Barbara with Greg Airball. Please join us again, and many thanks for listening. 